You didn't do anything. You just were you. Okay? My little Enneagram 9. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't instigate a conflict. There should be no conflict in having a queer kid. Hi, welcome back to Under Our Roof. I'm Lizzie. And I am finished recording my new EP. I finished recording the last song last night. We still have a lot of mixing left to do, but we are so much closer to getting this all tidied up. I I feel like the next few months, honestly, are going to be like some of the busiest of my life with everything I need to do. My brain is always going, (laughs) but it's nice to have this time with y'all just to sit down on our couch with Bean and with Lady and just decompress and check in. And I think, Lady, as I understand, that's sort of what this episode is about. Yeah, well, we're checking in with the house guests, we're checking in with each other, we're mm. checking in with our inbox at underourroofpod at gmail.com and answering a few query letters that have kind of been lingering there for a while. Yes, but one query that we didn't need to answer was, did y'all enjoy the salad episode? Because overwhelmingly, the reviews are in mm. and I think it could be a reoccurring theme celebratory theme for uh, future benchmarks in our podcast. So thank you so much for listening to that and encouraging us to really follow through on that inside joke, you know, yeah, to go all the way. People definitely seem to like it. And they also had strong feelings about us not doing the strawberry pretzel salad. Really? Yeah. And I actually got a a recipe from a listener that sounded really good. No one was like mad at us or anything? No, but somebody somebody emailed him was like here's my recipe and it did look really good mm-hmm. and then was like i'm gonna add to the voices saying that y'all should have done the strawberry pretzel episode which i was like the voices this is the first time i've heard of the it voices. so are this is being talked about behind our back yeah yeah <laughs> we shouldn't no but then i did hear from other people saying that we should have made strawberry pretzel we salad. couldn't do it all on just the first salad episode yeah the other thing that we've been circling i would say is we have a lot of shows that we are behind on that we would like to watch we have caught up on the l word the new the reboot generation as of today as of today we're caught up we have a list we have a a running actual written down list of like what we need to watch because there's so many things and we don't want to forget yeah and one thing that just got added to our list this morning that i'm really curious if other house guests are listening to is the lula roe documentary on Amazon Prime. It's a documentary series about the multi-level marketing scheme known as LuLaRoe. And if you have been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I love me. uh, (laughs) I don't actually love multi-level marketing schemes, but I I find them very fascinating. That's a bad phrasing to say I love. I just love a good scam. I don't. But I find them very interesting. So if anyone's watching that, please let us know. I'm, I'm looking forward to tuning into that. And also American Crime Story Impeachment is yeah. another one that I kind of want to tune in for. Very excited for that. Um, we started Nine Perfect Strangers, which was very um, entertaining to start. Very intriguing, mysterious. Mm-hmm. But then we both had travel and we've kind of just been so busy. So we haven't watched mm-hmm. in a few weeks, but we're excited to catch up. Yeah. So those are the main things that we're watching in case anyone is watching along or you have any other recommendations, anything that we're missing. We have this running list, like we said, of shows. And within the next few months with everything happening, Lizzie just started her new job. I have this new EP coming out. I don't know how we're going to do it all, but 
somehow we will, and you'll be along for the ride. With that being said, this episode is not about us and what we're watching. This is about you and what you're feeling. This is a query letter episode. But first, we have another callback to a past episode. A very loyal house guest wrote in with some very important information. Okay. There is a wiki how, and I will include it in the show notes. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I can see. That is how to butterfly kiss. Butterfly kisses. Because in a previous episode, which was actually the wedding episode, because we talked yes. about the butterfly kisses song being a popular father-daughter dance choice song. Yes. And um, in perhaps one of the more triggering decisions on this podcast, I played a clip of butterfly, <laughs> of butterfly kisses. You did. And we said that butterfly kisses was nuzzling noses. But uh-huh. apparently we were wrong. Although some people have said it could be a regional thing. Okay. It's where you flutter your eyelashes on someone's cheek. What? Well, here's the Is that how. what Bob Carlyle was doing to his daughter? I don't know. Okay, so. I will do a dramatic reading. I'm not going to read every single step because this is like a manuscript of how to do this. Someone really wants other people to know how to butterfly kiss. There's a section called tips and warnings. Stop it. Stop (laughs) it. Tips and warnings for butterfly kisses. All right. How to butterfly kiss. Yeah. The butterfly kiss is a very sweet and tender kiss that can express passion, love, and affection. It's perfect for mixing things up with your significant other. Not dad, apparently. (laughs) Oh, no. After all, even making out all the time can get a little bit repetitive. Not if you're doing it right. (laughs) To give a butterfly kiss, all you have to do is move your face close to your partner's so that your eyes are almost touching and then flutter your your eyelids rapidly so your partner feels like he or she is being kissed by the delicate wings of a butterfly. Wow. If you want to get started, fly over to step one. What's so, step one? Begin a tender moment with your significant other. That's step one. There's Look like at a these lot of people detail. beginning a tender moment. Also, it says this is the kind of kiss you should try with someone you've been with for a while. It's I, very intimate. To be honest, <laughs> I agree. I very much agree. <laughs> then step two, move your face closer to your significant others. Okay. No, no, no. Wait. The one thing that they're not saying is you need to tell someone that that's what you're going to do. No, I think it does say that above. Be like, prepare for a butterfly kiss. You can't, like I said, when we talked about this on the episode, you cannot cold call someone with a butterfly kiss. You have got to give them fair warning about what's happening. This is what it says, actually. I skipped over this. Mm -hmm. It says, if you're really comfortable with your partner, then you can even talk about the butterfly kiss in advance. And, And you should. Your partner may be a little caught off guard when you try to lock eyes instead of lips. Wait, so are you kissing them on the eye or can you do the butterfly kiss on any part i, th- I thought it said that the- you're connecting your eyelashes with their cheek no it says it says up here you move your face close to your partner so that uh-huh. your eyes are almost touching and flutter your eyelids oh, so rapidly we kiss eyes i guess Sorry, can we just try this really quick so I yeah know, i was I about to say we have to try it okay so we kiss eyes yeah here i can hold the mic okay all right just up to the eye i'm gonna go right you can only do one eye at a time how do you feel? It feels really uncomfortable for me. I feel like I can't blink fast enough. I feel like I'm seizing. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, I think the, the blinking is hard. But okay, do let, you me feel- tra- let me try on your cheek. Okay, just I'm going to stand still. You yeah. do my cheek then. I hate that. I really hate it. It just makes my cheek feel ticklish and like I need to itch it. Yeah. So anyway, the rest of the steps are move your eyes close together, flutter your eyelashes, it says, begin to blink a bit rapidly for your <laughs> eyelashes to truly flutter. Maybe this is just me, but I think blinking very quickly is 
a bit difficult. It is. I was like, like wow, th- this is Think really about hard. how much you're straining your face. Yeah. Try right now, listener, house guest at home. Try right now just blinking really, really quickly. And you'll notice that it's quite an involved thing to do. It's way more difficult than just making out. Flutter your eyelashes even faster. Oh, that's where it ends. That's it? Oh, it says, some people even give butterfly kisses on the cheek or other tender parts of their significant other's face. Face. Okay, so a butterfly kiss is limited to the face. <laughs> and that's what it says on here. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. This also creates a tender feeling that is hard to replicate. The next time you and your partner are lying down or cuddling, you can try this tender gesture. I like how they're describing it as tender, um, as, you know, to avoid saying maybe the word weird it's weird. Oh, warnings. Read out the warnings, lady. They have warnings for anyone that was going to attempt a butterfly kiss. Please, please do not do so until Lizzie has read you these warnings. <laughs> Try not to wear mascara if you will be doing this because it could get in your partner's eyes and that doesn't feel good. That's true. I was wearing mascara just now. Oh, really? So I put you at risk. You did put me at risk. You should have read those warnings before we embarked on the, the tender greeting. <laughs> the other <laughs> warning is just be careful. You can hurt your partner's eyes or your own eyes very easily. Yeah, it's hard to imagine how pleasurable it might be for someone to give another a person a like aggr- an aggressive butterfly kiss. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of a nightmare scenario. Yeah, I would. Well, I'm really happy we went over with that. all those. Yeah, questions, comments, and concerns about butterfly kisses. <laughs> Wait, so a listener sent that in. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. You can always email us at underourroofpod at gmail dot com. And while you're doing that, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We're an independent podcast. You may notice how there are no sponsors, uh, <laughs> so that really does help us out. With that being said, let's get into some of these query letters. Butterfly kisses Lady, what would the house guests like to talk about? Okay, so first up, we're going to talk about a TikTok crush. Ooh. So this listener asks, over the past few months, I noticed one of my TikTok mutuals leaving really thoughtful comments on my videos, and I just figured it was a friendly thing because they had some old videos posted of a girlfriend. Mm. After one particular TikTok interaction, they followed me on Instagram And we had a couple short DM conversations only relating to our responses to the other person's Instagram story, and it didn't go any further. But recently, they posted a video on their TikTok that was kind of a hello to my friends and mutuals. I haven't posted anything in a while. Due to some prior events, that video felt very much like it was directed toward me. They also deleted all their videos of their presumed ex-girlfriend around the same time they posted that video. They are so insanely kind, but it's super hard to tell the difference between friendliness and flirting and online communication. That's so true. I'd really like to try to talk with them further to hopefully figure out the intent behind their kindness, because I feel like we would be very compatible based on what little I know about them. But they live several continents away, and I'm really concerned about the impracticality of that. Well, that's just gay culture. It just sucks because I'm back at college, and I'm wanting to try to meet people in a romantic context. Obviously, just leaving it as a friend thing with this person and starting to date people within my vicinity would be more convenient overall. But unfortunately, I'm a loyal bitch, and I can't really (laughs) shake the feeling that it's something I'd like to try, that it's something I'd like to explore before trying to meet other people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I definitely get the dilemma i do understand the dilemma i also think there's a huge part of me as a little bit of a hopeless romantic that wants to just tell you you know follow your heart and if 
your heart is calling you to pursue something or or see what the feelings are with this person on TikTok, don't let distance dissuade you from that. Like I was kind of joking when Lizzie was reading your question um, or your letter, that the long distance is kind of just gay culture. So don't let that be an inhibitor if you really feel like there could be a connection there. Now, my question for you, lady, from that letter, did you get the sense that it's kind of an early flirtation, wouldn't you say? I agree. It seems like it's in a way nice that you like this person in general, you know, you both like each other and just the sense of you enjoy talking. And so it's kind of like no harm done if it ends up just being that because Mm -hmm. you haven't wasted your time, like you've gotten to know somebody who is a cool person, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. But I, I personally think just based on the way you're describing this, it does kind of sound like there could be an attraction there, a flirtation. I think a lot of the time, maybe with the exception of like celebrity crushes, the person that you're kind of thinking about a lot, it's very possible they're also thinking about you. Mm -hmm. Because part of the reason why you're thinking about them is because you've probably had interactions that have a vibe and they're probably thinking about you too. So I think... I think something could definitely be there. And I think also like, yes, you're in college and you want to meet new people there, but you definitely can make cool friendships and relationships in college, even if you're not dating anybody there. And also to that point, I would say two things can be true. You can meet cool people in college and, and, you know, kind of see what's out there and broaden your horizons and also continue to see what these conversations with your TikTok crush reveal. You don't need to make up your mind right away. You're young and you have options. And I, I can just tell you this, you are a catch and you deserve to put yourself out there and see what people will value you. So don't write, I think, either option off. I think two things can be true until you feel your heart sort of made up in one way or the other. But thank you so much for writing into us. And we're rooting for you. Yeah, we love we love hearing about y'all's crushes, because we're not really in that world so much anymore. So it is kind of nice to vicariously hear about y'all's stories. Yeah, let us know how it works out. Yes. Okay, next up, my name is blank, and I have a possibly relatable predicament. I was taught growing up in the church to quote, date to marry, which pushed me into making checklists for what I'm supposed to find in a future spouse and using that as a basis for dating instead of realizing that I wasn't very attracted to men. Super healthy, I know. As a result, I've moved toward a mindset of looking for characteristics that foster potential for quality long-term partnership. I do have a few deal breakers, and historically, being a Christian has been one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I've already read this, and I think that they mean historically not being a Christian has been one of them. I see. Like, if you are not a Christian, that's a deal breaker. Oh, okay. Oh, right, right. Like, they want the person (laughs) to I read it before. It's like, historically, like, if someone's a Christian, that's been a deal breaker. And I'd be like, fair enough. I'm sure that is a deal breaker for plenty of people. Yeah, for many, of course. Okay. I started dating the sister of a good friend from high school. We have a lot in common, and it feels like a really healthy partnership so far. Since we're 22, it's unlikely that it will last beyond this transitional period of life, but I fear falling in love with her because she grew up Roman Catholic and now doesn't understand a need for religion when here I am in love with the Bible. She doesn't mind listening to me talk about it because it's important to me, but I find an increasing number of queer people are not comfortable in or interested in even queer church spaces, of which I don't Mm. blame them. It's really hard working through whether or not spirituality slash Christianity should still be a deal breaker, since I can't imagine not having a family within the context of an inclusive, justice-oriented, supportive church community 
like I find in Methodism. My mom also seems to think that I'm abandoning Christianity just because I have different well-educated theological opinions. So I feel extra judgment for the fact that I'm dating a non-Christian that shares my values. Wow. Yeah. That's such a, there's so much to unpack there. There's so many different offshoots that I could start with. I guess let's just go like piece by piece. I think I would start by just reassuring you that I think I mean, I guess there could be some exceptions that are like toxic, but for the most part, deal breakers that you have, if you know something's important to you, you don't have to feel bad about that. I'm not saying that you do feel bad about that. It doesn't necessarily sound like you do, just that you're conflicted because you understand this person shares your values, but you also picture your future spouse and family sharing some sort of faith in common. And that's also extremely common, like maybe not in queer spaces, but in the world in general, having a shared faith is, I'm sure that's a deal breaker for mm-hmm. like probably the majority of the world's population to some extent, you know, with yeah. many different religions. Right. So having a shared faith background is not a weird ask necessarily. That said... It sounds like you also have perspective that this person shares your values. And Mm -hmm. does it really matter if they don't have the same thoughts about religion if they share your values? And I'm I'm not I'm just posing the question because I don't know. I think that's really such a personal personal Yeah. As far as having deal breakers, I kind of view that as having boundaries for yourself, setting boundaries for things that you know about yourself that would set you up for having a successful relationship. So don't feel bad about having deal breakers. Just make sure that the deal breakers or the boundaries that you have in place for yourself are not closing you off to possibilities and opportunities to learn more about the world and other people and that people and different things may surprise you. But it seems as though just based on your letter that you are a very well examined person, (laughs) and that you have really carefully considered what you are looking for. So just to bring it back to something kind of corny, if you are in love with this person and the relationship is going well and it's something that fills you up and makes every day brighter and better and makes you excited for the future, don't necessarily write it off just because y'all are young, just because you're 22. You know, who knows what the future may hold? And like, I, I, this is one of my favorite things to say is people may surprise you and this relationship may surprise you. It doesn't, I'm not saying like absolutely it's gonna last. I'm just saying that you kind of almost seem like in, in your letter, like you're preparing for it to end. I, I think that it's possible for all of these complicated things that you described in your letter to exist and also for a happy relationship to be part of that. Also, when did we start dating? We were 22. Yeah, we were 22. And it worked it's out. It's true. It can work out. Best of luck to you. Thanks for writing in. All right. This question is, I'm a longtime listener of the pod. I'd love to hear any thoughts or advice you may have. So I've always had a problem with staying organized in terms of things. My living space is always absolute chaos. Every once in a while, I'll do a really thorough and deep clean and be like, yes, this time will be different. But it always just slips into disarray again. It's frustrating beyond belief, but I can't fix it. Do you have any systems or methods that help you stay organized or not get overwhelmed by tasks? Wow. Well, I'm going to just let you take this one, lady, because this is... I relate very much to that to that letter. I, I'm definitely kind of a binge cleaner. That's so interesting because I feel like you're more tidy than I am a lot of the time. So I don't have to do binge cleaning. 
Well, okay, I'll definitely share things, but maybe you should also chime in because I think you have actually developed a system to not only go through binge cleaning and patterns of super messy or tidy. Mm-hmm. I think one one like rule of life that I heard a few years ago that I really agree with is if it takes less than one minute, do it immediately. And I think that is a really good piece of advice. I think if something takes like half an hour and you're actually procrastinating on the things that you need to do by reorganizing your spice cabinet or something, that's actually not that productive at a certain point because it kind of derails your day. But if something like checking the mail and throwing out all the junk flyers that come in, Mm. that really does take less than one minute. And you can do that like pretty much every day. If you think of something and it seems like a big task, think like, how long will this actually take me? Like even unloading the dishwasher, I think it usually takes me like three minutes, honestly. Yeah. It feels like a bigger, a lot of things I think feel like a bigger task than they are. And so I think just getting like a kind of like stepping outside of the situation and getting a little bit of perspective of, okay, I have two days worth of outfits on the floor right now. That's not that's like maybe six articles of clothing or something. How long would it take me to pick all of these up, throw the ones in the wash that need to go in the wash, hang back up the things that need to be hung back up? Probably like one minute. And that can really change how you feel about your space in one minute. So that's my biggest piece of advice. If your space is a complete disaster, I think time again can actually kind of help you set boundaries with that. So setting a timer on your phone for 20 minutes, Mm. or even like as long as it wouldn't distract you too much, playing an episode of a TV show in the background, like maybe a rerun of something you've seen a lot that's just like comfort TV and being like, okay, as long as this episode is playing, I'm just going to tidy and fold or whatever needs to be done. And then you kind of have once the episode is done, or once your timer goes off, you stop and you're just like, okay, I made progress, even if it's not done. I'm not gonna feel like I lost my entire day to cleaning, but I can do another timer tonight if I have extra time or in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then and then get it under control that way. Yeah, something that's been really helpful for me, and I think this takes sort of time, a little bit of wisdom and experience, is you become your own coach. So sometimes for me, I'll have this voice in the back of my head that's like, you will feel better if you just, you know, get the floors swept. You you know that you'll feel better if you just get this done. You're already in. I remember having this like fitness app on my phone and being like annoyed that cleaning wasn't one of the exercises you could put in because that's I think that can be sometimes an inhibitor for other people with cleaning is that you really are it's a bit of a workout and you might not feel like doing that type of a workout when you have other things to do that day at least for me I like wouldn't want to get so sweaty from cleaning and sweeping and all this stuff and getting on my hands and knees but part of growing up for me is just having this inner voice in my head of like, you're wearing the right outfit right now. You just got back in from a run. Sweep the floors really quickly while you're in this. You'll feel better. And I think developing that coach, recognizing that coach and becoming like your own just best favorite coach or teacher or mentor in the back of your brain when it comes to tasks like organizing and cleaning. So you can really root for yourself rather than your dark passenger or the inner saboteur (laughs) or whatever, being like, no, just just put it off. Don't worry about it. So developing that voice over time. And I think that the more that you can recognize it, the stronger it will become and the easier it will be to harness. Ready for the next question? I'm ready. So I have recently moved from the US to Europe to study abroad, and my best friend is not answering my messages. I want to give her space, but I cannot stop thinking about her. I keep checking her messages and see them unreplied. I'm sure she's having a busy week, but all of this thinking about her has led me to think I might have a crush on her. 
I am just unsure of what crushes are like, if crushes are what I feel about her. I might have had crushes on the three close friends I have had in my life, which, yeah, would make sense. How can I figure it out? How does it feel to have a crush? I wanted to kiss her when we were drunk. She is absolutely gorgeous, and I think she is an incredibly supportive friend. Is it infatuation? Will I ever have actual close friends without feeling like I have a crush on them? Am I a bad person for not letting her know how I feel because I still don't understand it? Should I wait it out? I was able to get over the crush I had on my high school best friend. I don't want to lose my friend. Oh, I just want to give this person a big hug. This is a lot of emotions that we are feeling right now. Yeah, I think I actually followed up with them and they clarified that like one of the things they most would be interested in is discussing what crushes feel like and how Mm. that feels different from being good friends with somebody. They said, my guess is that you are not attracted, like you being you and I, Mm -hmm. I guess, are not attracted to your friends. But is it really that simple? Mm. Well, I've had crushes on friends before. Yeah, typically they've been passing. Um, And typically for me, the crushes that I felt for romantic interests have been very different than like kind of almost like a month long crush on a friend, you know? Month long isn't that long. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're saying like a month. Yeah, like I've had like passing crushes on friends of mine. Listen, Mm -hmm. there were not the options in high school were were a little bleak for me. I went to a very small (laughs) high school. So I had to find some crushes to keep me alive now and then. (laughs) And some of sometimes they were a little bit on my friends, but they didn't really stick around too long because I think ultimately the platonic relationship is something that I valued more um, and that I was more interested in. But it's very normal to have crushes on your friends, I think. Yes, it is. And the other thing too, not to invalidate how you're feeling or that it's not a crush, but I would just say, so this person recently moved from the US to Europe to study abroad. Mm-hmm. And is texting their best friend and they're not answering. That could also be a bit of homesickness to like, again, you you very well might have a crush and there's nothing wrong with that. But it also could be affected by you're far away. You want to keep this like tether to being home and keeping in touch. Maybe you're subconsciously a little nervous that you're going to lose touch after like being away for however long. And also distance makes the heart grow fonder. Very true. So perhaps you've had a crush on this person for a while And the distance component that just entered into this relationship has sort of set that crush feeling into overdrive. Because maybe you didn't really have to consider it too much before. Like, well, I wanted to kiss her when we were drunk, but who doesn't want to kiss people when they're drunk? (laughs) You know, you're not overthinking it too much. But now there is this distance. You're given the space and time to consider your feelings, which I truly think is is a blessing, although I can only imagine the number that it's doing on your on your sweet little heart. And with all that to be said, not to speak out of turn, but I I I uh, I, I recognize much of myself in these questions, my younger self. And typically, when I was wondering if I had a crush on someone, it was because I had a crush on someone. I've had a lot of friends in my life who have never wondered if I had a crush on because I didn't. And um, <laughs> like, I'm thinking of like, Haley, I love you so much, but I, you were never someone that I wondered if I had a crush on that type <laughs> of person, you know, like that type of friend. I think that there are some friends and people that come into our life where they make you feel a certain type of way and it can maybe come on kind of suddenly and unexpected. Maybe it wasn't exactly how you felt when you first met them. And crushes come in all different shapes and forms, I think. And I think that this is presenting itself as a bit of a crush on your friend. Yeah, I think so too. But also like 
crushes do come and go so mm-hmm. we can keep that in mind too just because you have a crush doesn't mean like the friendship is over yes or you, and it sounds like you did get over a crush in the past and remain friends so that isn't i think we all know people that we like maybe had a crush on for a minute and then mm-hmm. um we ended up realizing like oh that was i was kind of seeing them in a different light for some reason all that to be said one of your questions was should i wait it out and my advice would be Bearing all of this in mind, I would suggest giving yourself some time, waiting it out, and then checking in again with your feelings in a few weeks. There, I, I feel like this isn't the sort of thing that you can solve, that you can just like put a puzzle together and be like, ah, oh, there it is. I think you might need a bit of time to come to terms with how you're feeling. So give yourself some time, give yourself some grace, and we believe in you and have fun studying abroad. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Last letter. And by the way, there's still others that have been in our inbox that we didn't end up getting to, but we will do these occasionally. So we're I have them like in a special folder. We try and do query letter episodes every couple months. Yeah. yeah. And I have them all saved in a special folder, the ones that we haven't answered yet. So I do I don't just throw them away or anything. In the past year, I've graduated from college, moved to a new state, started dating again, and decided it was time to come out to my family and a few friends so I could really use some advice. Wow. My mom and I are incredibly close, but since I've come out, she's emphasized how unexpected my queerness was, that she felt so blindsided because she didn't see it coming like she did with her late brother who was gay. For some reason, she's been exclusively looking to stereotypes of cis gay men this whole time and wonders how on earth she didn't know her daughter was queer, lol. She happily accepts our family members who seem, to her, clearly gay, so my identity challenging what gay slash queer looks like seems to be her biggest hurdle. Despite my searching, I've had little success finding stories similar to mine, and I just want to feel less alone. Her reaction seems so odd to me. She wasn't hateful, but definitely wasn't supportive or happy either, and it's been hard for her to talk about. Any advice on having a parent that is uncomfortable and slow to come around simply because they didn't expect it? Mm. I welcome any insight. I'm an Enneagram 9, so the coming out Mm. process already feels like one massive conflict that can only be cured by naps. Oh my gosh. Wow, do I relate to this house guest. That is me. Yeah, Grace is an Enneagram 9. (laughs) And I love naps. Yeah. Uh, That's really tough. I really feel for you because... I'm sure she says like, oh, I'm blindsided because I didn't see it coming. I'm sure you're blindsided because your mom has been supportive and had gay family members. And now just because her daughter is gay, she's like kind of giving you a little bit of ice queen treatment, it sounds like. Mm. I don't know, not to rag on your mom. I'm sure she's lovely. You say that you two are incredibly close. So I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's and I don't know what I'm trying to say. This may sound harsh, but it's just I'm more saying it matter of fact. I think your mom has some unrecognized kind of like societal homophobia that she hasn't realized affects her. She's not a, that's not to say she's a homophobic person, but there are elements of our society's homophobia that are creeping in and telling her, "Oh no, your daughter's not what you thought and that's a bad thing." Yes. We were all raised. I think you yes. mentioned this w- when we started dating. You said a lot of nuggets of wisdom when we started dating. I was like, wow, this girl's a keeper. She's so <laughs> smart. Where We were all raised and conditioned in a society that is homophobic. Does it mean that all of us are homophobic or queerphobic or transphobic? No, but it does mean that we have to go the extra lengths to unlearn and deprogram that part of ourselves that was conditioned just from Im- images from when we were kids and Disney characters and all this stuff. It's all so coded and deeply and grained. And your mom probably has to do some of that work. And sometimes an issue doesn't seem real to people until it comes home. 
that in fact that's that's very very common is that sometimes people can be outwardly accepting or growing in a certain area and changing their perspectives on certain issues until that issue comes to their front doorstep and then it seems as though your mom is struggling with oh my gosh my kid is queer is that an indictment of me as a person you know like what what does that say about me as a mom like did i have any sort of a failing which then if we unpack that even further implies that being queer is some sort of a failure is something that a parent should be ashamed of and that's just simply not the case and i hope that i mean it's difficult because you mentioned too that it's hard to talk about but i i think in time finding a medium that the two of y'all can communicate on maybe it's over letters or texting or i don't know like finding a way of of breaking through this this ice is going to be i think key for the two of you but i also want you to hear that there's nothing wrong with you and you didn't do anything wrong that the relationship changed not because of anything that has to do with you this is totally coming from her that's something that in my own life i've felt guilty about when a relationship changes because of me being gay i'm like oh no i feel bad i made them uncomfortable no you didn't do anything you just were you okay my little Enneagram nine, we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't instigate a conflict. There should be no conflict in having a queer kid. You just love your kid, you know? Yeah. Sorry, was that a bit too harsh? Again, no. best wishes to your mom. That's the thing. I know. I, I don't, it's hard because we are only hearing from this listener and mm-hmm. we're not like sitting down with both of them. And then I'm sure we'd hear a lot more nuance, but just based on what you've said, it sounds like this is a challenging time in what has otherwise been a very close relationship. And it will be again. And this, I really do believe that people in this position tend to kind of regret their lukewarmness later because it's like you're not gonna double down and become like a huge homophobe you're just kind of like reeling and not reacting in the way that you probably would if you knew this was coming and had like time to prepare a script essentially Mm -hmm. you're reacting from more of an emotional place and that can be your valid response but very hurtful to the person you're coming out who's coming out to you Mm. and um Anyway, I I think that time, I I don't know that time heals all wounds. I know that's a saying, but time will heal this kind of wound, I really do believe. And I think as she sees you flourishing, she's going to, and not that it should be your responsibility to like perform this perfect gay life for her to, you don't have to have this like queer excellence to prove that like, oh, you're just fine, but you probably are living a beautiful life, I'm sure. And so she's going to see that and start to realize that regardless of whether it's unexpected, it's a great part of who you are. Yeah. Well, we'll be thinking of you and thank you for this heartfelt letter. And just as from coming from another Enneagram nine, take take all the naps you need. Okay. <laughs> like for real, take all the naps you need. I, I understand that that can be a sounds like a very stressful situation. And you have my full support in just napping. Um, until you until you feel you know ready to face what is ahead for you. Yeah. Well, thanks for writing in, everyone. We really enjoyed answering your questions, and you can always write to us under our roof pod at gmail.com. Um, I hope you all have a great week. Just as a little like a. Uh, 
thing just to put this on your radar. I know I've already mentioned this, but like the next month is gonna be really crazy for me. So I just appreciate all the support when I've been like posting snippets of my music and stuff for the release just on social media. And if you're listening to this, I just want you to hear, I'm just really, really thankful for everyone who's been listening and tuning in and your support leading up to this release because I kind of can't believe it's all gonna happen, but it will. And I'm just grateful that I have a supportive community that um, is along for the ride. And I, I hope that you get something of that from us as well to you as you face whatever is ahead. And with that being said, this has been Under Our Roof, our famously unsponsored Chaotic <laughs> Queer podcast. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Goodbye, Fashion, our friends. <laughs> so come here, my darling. Come here.